Okay, it's 6.30, I like starting on time. If anyone is um, already tuned in, uh, just understand we do have Q&A open. If you've tuned into the Zoom link, which most of you have, it's in the invitation. Um, we won't be monitoring yet the Facebook Live Zoom link if you're watching this on Facebook, so you actually wanna be on the Zoom link. Wanna welcome everyone, we're gonna jump right into it. Um, and the reason why is because we're going to be showing you today how to do a session zero. Maybe you've never played Star Trek Adventures before. Never. Maybe you've never played RPG before. Maybe you've never even watched Star Trek before. Doesn't matter because you're in for a universe of fun. So I'm Michael Dismuke. Some of you may know me from Continuing uh, Missions, which is the number one fan site for the game Star Trek Adventures. I freelance mm -hmm. right for them also. And I'm going to go around our table tonight, pretend we're at a virtual table. This could be happening in your home, your basement, your car, or like us over the internet. I'm going to go around and introduce our players. Uh, so let's first of all just ask this question. Um, I'm going to ask you to introduce yourself and let us know what your experience is playing RPG. Let's start with Jim. Uh, hi, I'm Jim Johnson. I am the project manager for Star Trek Adventures, uh, but just a player for tonight. So I'm looking forward to this. Uh, I've been playing RPGs for most of my life, and most of that has been Star Trek in one format or another. Wow. So that's like 19 years. I am impressed. Way longer than that, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go over to Al Spader. Introduce yourself. Uh, and how long how's it going? Al Spader, freelance uh, writer. I actually worked on the Session Zero stuff for the Game Master Guide. Um, and uh, I've been uh, gaming pretty much all my life. I just recently got into um, uh, Star Trek Adventures with the pandemic. Um, and, uh, you know, I've always... Uh, loved Star Trek. I kind of lost track of it when I became an adult, and then Picard pulled me back in, and now I'm like all in again. Okay, okay. We got two people with experience playing Star Trek Adventures so far. Let's move over to Scott Pearson. Introduce yourself and tell us your experience. Hi, I'm Scott Pearson. I'm a lifelong Star Trek fan, uh, which means over 50 years now. Um, I've written Star Trek. I'm the copy editor on the Star Trek fiction line at Simon & Schuster. I'm the canon editor on Star Trek Adventures. Uh, I played RPGs back in college playing uh, fantasy role-playing games, but I've never actually played any of the Star Trek RPGs over the years, even though I've been a rabid Star Trek fan that whole time. Wow. Okay. Wow. This is experience. Now, see, this may be intimidating to some of you who are just tuning in for the first time. Like, oh my goodness, all these people with Star Trek knowledge. I mean, there's a guy who's written books for it and edits the books. But wait, now we're going to show you that this game, when you set up your session zero, can have a variety of people. Let's move over to Ella Pearson. Uh, yeah. Hi, I'm Ella. I have been a Star Trek fan as long as I can remember. Uh, but I have never played any type of RPG uh, whatsoever. So it's really a first for me right now. <laughs> awesome. Wow. Okay, this is good. And finally, we have to have, last but not least, the beautiful Kai Dismuke. Please introduce yourself. And I heard you have an amazing husband, but you can forget about that. Just talk about your... <laughs> My Star Trek experience, I would say I am the daughter of a lifelong Star Trek fan, the wife of a lifelong Star Trek fan. I'm Star Trek curious. 
And with RPGs, I did have a boyfriend about 20 years ago that introduced me to role-playing games. So I am quite familiar with various forms of role-playing games. Okay, but never played Star Trek Adventures or created a character in Star Trek Adventures for yourself, right? Uh, no. Okay, all right, good. All right, so, and, and again, the purpose of today is to talk about Session Zero is getting people who are your friends, maybe your creative people. I say, I always say that playing RPG is like karaoke or improv acting. Um, so if you have friends who are really good at that or enjoy that, they most likely are going to enjoy RPG. And we're going to show you how to do your Session Zero. We're not playing a game tonight. What we're doing is showing you how to set up a game so that every single person you invite to the table is going to have the best experience when they sit down okay so here's a basic agenda of what we're going to do tonight we're going to talk about player expectations i haven't heard from any of them what they want to get out of this game and then we're going to also go through what's something called the section zero checklist it's something that al spader wrote in the game master's guide that just came out from modifius uh, uh late 2021 and so we're going to be using chapter 4.3 of that book in order to show you how to run a session zero. So this is great if you're watching this or if you're a new game master or if you're nervous, you and your friends can all watch this. And by the time you're done, you're going to be ready to jump in. All right, everyone ready to go? Ready. Okay, cool. Let's do this then. So let's start. Um, I'm going to ask the first question that's important um, to ask your players is what is your connection to Star Trek? But you all kind of answered that already. So we're going to skip that one. And then we're going to ask this important question, it's about safety, making players feel safe. What are you not comfortable with in a role-playing game? Why don't we start with Kai on this? What are you not comfortable with? Um, probably because I, if I'm gonna play a game, it's gonna involve a lot of young kids. So probably something that is gonna be in the PG, PG-13, depending on who's around me. Oh, good. That's right. We do have a lot of nieces and nephews running under our feet constantly. So that's probably a really good area of safety. How about you, Al? What do you not like to see in a role-playing game? Um, just uh, personally, I'm not a, a big fan of not being in control of my character. Um, so like mind control, that type of stuff's not really a thing that I love. Um, and, you know, um, uh, like, I, I think that relationships are important, but when you start getting into dating and love and that type of stuff with characters. I feel like that kind of isn't where I want to go. Okay. So not too much of a, a rom-com, maybe rom-com, but not romance for you. Okay, yeah. good. Good. Getting the pulse here. What about you, Scott? What do you not like to see in a role-playing game? I would just echo what the uh, other panelists have said so far that, you know, you're playing this for fun. So you don't want to get into any sort of territory that's going to make people uncomfortable. So, uh, and, and you're talking about Star Trek. Uh, it's a little bit different now. Uh, Picard and Discovery are you know, pushing the boundaries of what's acceptable in Star Trek. But as an old school Star Trek fan, uh, I'm a little bit more comfortable if you keep it in that PG, PG-13 area. Okay. Okay. Liking this. Ella, what about you? I think I, again, agree with uh, what everyone has already said. I think PG-13 is a good, like, safe spot, especially to start. Like, I, I feel like I didn't really have an answer for the question at first because I was like, I don't know, because I feel, you know, obviously I'd be nervous to, like, play the actual game in general, but I would have to figure out, I think, as I went along what I actually liked and didn't like. But, um, yeah, I think I'll, I'll just, like, my dad echo what everyone said already. 
Okay, fantastic. What about you, Jim? All your experience in playing uh, Star Trek RPG, what, where do you not want us to boldly go? Yeah, I mean, like everybody else, I'm, I'm very much in the TNG DS9 Voyager kind of mind frame for most of my life in terms of Star Trek. And uh, I think I prefer that PG, PG-13 frame. I think uh, being surprised with uh, a, a Picard-like experience of uh, someone having their you know, eye graphically ripped out of their you know, head or whatever, <laughs> not what I want to experience in a game. Um, um, I'm fine with uh, fade to black romance scenes. I don't really need to get into the details or hear the details from somebody else's character. You know, great that it's happening, but we don't need to see it on screen or, or at the table, right? Um, graphic violence, not really a fan of that. Uh, deep horror, not really a fan of deep horror. And uh, like Al, um, I prefer to have control over my character or at least to have some agency over it. So I would want to be consulted ahead of time if you're going to do something like that. I mean, I think it'd be it could be really cool. And like if this were to progress into a campaign and at some point you wanted to say, hey, maybe your character gets possessed in this episode. Are you OK with that? You know, have a conversation beforehand instead of just dropping it on me and surprising me during the during the session itself. But otherwise, I think PG-13 is the, 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 the traditional Trek kind of mindset. And that's where I prefer to, to keep it. Good to know. Yeah, because there are some Star Trek episodes where an alien takes over one yeah. of the characters for a while. And, it, and the, the whole show premises around trying to figure out that that's happened. So, OK, so I would discuss that definitely before. I love the fade the black, too, by the way. That was hilarious. Yeah. I've never heard that before. I think <laughs> I'd, if we were all playing around the table, I'd give us all black handkerchiefs and you would raise it up slowly. <laughs> Uh -huh. <laughs> to work that scene so that would be an awesome gimmick to have at our table okay mm -hmm. i'm liking this so far okay so pg pg 13 so basically something we'd see on tv it was the next generation voyagers deep space nine prodigy okay i'm feeling you okay this is good okay. all right so now let me ask um I'm going to start this one actually with Kai because we played Marvel superheroes a long time ago, right? And what do you enjoy about role playing? What do you like about it? I like a mix of characters. So I, I personally like the smart characters, the figuring it out part of the game where you have a problem and you have to come up with a solution that is somewhat viable in the universe that you're playing in. I like that. I like a comic relief character. Um, and yeah, I mean, okay. those are the two things I like about RPG. Okay, awesome. I think we can work with that. What about you, Jim? What do you like about RPG? <clears throat> well, um, I, I'll, I'll say specifically for Star Trek RPGs, because I, I mean, there's a lot of RPGs and I like them all for different reasons. Uh, but specifically for Star Trek, I really like uh, doing team problem solving like like I can like being being presented a problem and then having everybody at the table contributing in some way. Right. And, and trying to like work together to solve that problem. I think the teamwork and the, the camaraderie that you can build by doing that is what appeals to me the most. Um, and I've also I've been way more of a of a role player than a than a um, uh, anything else. So like I really get into the interpersonal connections and the conversations and the and the, the back and forth scenes with NPCs or with other characters. Uh, that's what I really, really, really enjoy is, is getting into the characters and doing the dialogue and the conversations and working things out that way. Okay, so, so so far I'm hearing less pew pew and a little bit more technical MacGyverish going on. What about you, Scott? Well, I'm trying to remember because I'm talking about 40 years ago that I was playing role playing games, uh, and mostly what I remember is just the fun of getting together with the, with the gang to play. Uh, you're playing 
fantasy role-playing games and so it, it, it was pretty much a slash and hack kind of thing and there wasn't a lot of involved problem solving but as i've been working on the star trek adventures books that's one of the things that does that that interests me the idea that you can have a more smart problem solving approach to a rpg because that wasn't my experience playing dnd and stuff back in the day yeah, definitely. It's been, people have commented that a lot about that on Star Trek. I know me and Jim have talked about it in other shows. We can go an entire game without rolling dice and have an amazing game. Mm -hmm. um, what about you, Al? Um, I just like the chance to escape and be someone new and write a rich backstory and really think about how that person would react in a situation. I think that's a really fun thought experiment. Um, and, and I really get into it, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Getting to make different decisions than we make in real life sometimes, right? Yeah. To test it out. Yeah. Absolutely. I agree. I agree. What about you, Ella? When you think about role playing, what do you want to get out of it? <laughs> um, I don't know. I think it seems like a great way to play a like a game that's obviously it's much more interactive. I was thinking while you guys were talking about I did like this VR experience a, a few years ago and it feels like that except for even more, um, you get even more creative control and you get to be like even more independent within the game. Um, and I think it seems like a great sort of outlet for creativity while already having the, the world sort of built for you for the most part. Um, yeah. Good. Okay. So that's what you're getting at is you're looking for some creative expression in it with, with your character also then, right? Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah. I just, I mean, uh, obviously when I play it, I just think it sounds like so much fun. <laughs> okay. Cool. Awesome. All right. So I'm hearing it's based off everything I've heard from all of you. You know, I took some notes while you were talking because I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to have to, at this part as a game master, find stories that match this group. So far, I'm hearing from this group that they're going to be probably a little bit more science, artsy-minded, um, not really, you know, battlefield Starfleet. You're not going to be Makos, which was the military arm, you know, in the 22nd century. You know, it, it's going to be a little bit, again, going a little bit more like the Voyager TOS bent, maybe no Kirk, no Kirk Fu involved, but I'm getting a good feel. So we're starting to round out. And at this point, in my mind, as a game master, I may have in the back of my mind some, some modules that are more science-based, more art-based, maybe diplomacy even, since you're not big into pew-pew and maybe want to talk your way through problems. Am I, am I hearing that correctly from everybody? Yeah. Jim, what do you think about that? I don't want to get your input at this point. Anything you'd add? Uh, no, I think I think that, that that fits my preferences pretty well. I mean, I, I do appreciate the occasional, uh, you know, pew-pew in action and the occasional fisticuffs and stuff, but uh, I think, I mean, that's just, you know, traditional Trek, right? But uh, um, I think uh, what you were saying before, you know, diplomacy, uh, you know, uh, uh, problem solving, science, engineering, hit the wonder button when you can. I think, I think that's a good mix. Okay, okay, good. And I have to ask too, I'm just going to ask by a show of hands here, like how, how much are you all into pseudoscience by show of hands? Uh, define pseudoscience. Can you? Yeah, I need a definition. <laughs> Great question. Fake science. <laughs> yeah, right. So, so you know, basically, Michael sees something on Wikipedia that's cool—a cool word—and he 
ramps it up to galactic level. And maybe I can't exactly explain how the temporal science works, but you'll all roll with it. <laughs> are you asking, are you asking me to be grounded? Are you going to be putting, you know, searching Wikipedia while I'm playing the game, running the game? Talk to me about that. Kai, what, what's your take on that? I'm okay with it as long as the basis for that science is kind of explained in the context of the game. Don't pull something out when I'm about to die. And all of a sudden, I think I figured it out. And then randomly <laughs> comes this, you know, rock or something that's, you know, kryptonite. And I didn't know it. And there's no way for me to have known that up to this point. So as long as it's something that is relevant to the story and not just like a last minute pull out and I'm okay with it. Mm. Okay. No cheats. No cheats. I see you, Jim nodding with that. Why are you nodding? Oh, no, I was just gonna say, yeah, don't, don't, uh, I mean, it's, it's fine to use pseudoscience to some extent, but don't use it as the linchpin of an episode and like, and, and like use it as a gotcha, right? It's like, oh, if you'd only known about uh, unobtainium or something, you would have been able to figure <laughs> this out. And it's like, oh, what? <laughs> you know, uh, but uh, no, that's fine. I mean, uh, I mean, a lot of Star Trek is pseudoscience anyway. It's techno babble and, and uh, plausible science, even though they kind of uh, slap the quantum label on it sometimes and call it good, right? But uh, um, yeah. Wow. You're on two today. You're on fade to black's handkerchief and unobtainium. <laughs> Never heard that term before. <laughs> oh, I think I got it from Avatar. Okay, that it may, it may it may have been in other places too, but the Avatar is the one thing I uh, Avatar. I think that was the only takeaway I got from that movie was uh, unobtainium. <laughs> <laughs> so let me ask you then. This is a good question. As we're talking about comfort and the type of stories we want to build, how do you feel about time travel and other dimensions? I love. We'll let you start. I'm not going to let your dad start with this for the sole reason that this man's written and read so many books about time travel. <laughs> so I'm going to let you go, Ella, first. How do you feel about time travel and alternate dimensions? I think I feel good. It, it does seem like it could get very complicated very fast and like a role-playing game if you, if you, you know, think that you're doing one thing and then all of a sudden everything changes, but it could also be super fun. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's one of those things that maybe you have to sort of lay out beforehand, like how we're doing right now. It's like, I would be okay with it as long as we sort of, I knew that maybe something like that would happen mm. or that it was an option. Could be very fun. Okay. Well, you have to know I'm not the kind of game master who cheats it by putting you all and killing you all. And it's like, oh, it's time travel. I can't stand that <laughs> kind of story. I like things to have meat and stick to it and have relevance. What about you, Al, when you think about time travel and dimension? what? Uh, I would say that time travel and dimension stuff is my one of my favorite tropes in Star Trek, actually, um, because we're out there exploring new places and learning new things and, um, you know, being transported to a weird dimension that is different than what we know is terrifying. And it also promotes that team, uh, you know, problem solving. Um, and I, I always really like those episodes uh, quite a bit. I mean, as long if if it's spilling on for four or five episodes, it gets a little redundant. But like, you know, a, a one shot in a season, I think that's uh, that's fine. Okay, good. What about you, Scott? I put you on the hot seat there. <laughs> well, you know, they can be hard to pull off those stories, but when they do pull them off, they're fabulous. And some of the, you know, all-time great Star Trek episodes from all of the series have involved time travel or alternate dimensions or some combination thereof. 
Yeah, that's true. Okay. And you just had a headache, I'm sure, reading Coda, which was one of the books you edited, which was all about time travel and dimension hopping. Oh, my goodness. This is the most I've ever seen. Okay, cool. So I'm getting a real good idea here. Sprinkle in a little time travel dimensional, but it better have some scientific basis to it. Keep, keep you all engaged. Okay, good. I want to remind people who are watching this right now, we do have a Q&A. If you go to the bottom of your Zoom screen, you can go ahead and hit Q&A. Um, and from there, you can put questions in and we promise to have uh, time to answer some of the questions you may have. Since you have Al Spader here who wrote the chapter, you got Jim Johnson, project manager, and you have others here who may, again, as you see, have a variety of experience playing role-playing games or knowing about the Star Trek universe, okay? And Zoom's gonna be better for us than Star Trek. I'm just monitoring the Zoom Q&A. Um, if there's any, or Zoom is better than Facebook. I'm just monitoring the Zoom Q&A. Um, but if you put questions in Facebook, we promise to answer them afterwards um, after this program. All right, good. So we've got, all of you have seen, we've so far established safety and consent, kind of figured out where everyone's at with role-playing, what kind of game they want to see, and what everyone's uh, at with Star Trek and what their knowledge of Star Trek is. So now what I want to talk about is campaign tone and era. Okay, so when I'm talking about campaign tone, I'm actually going to pass this over to Jim. What do we mean by tone of campaigns? Because Ella and Kai are going to have to, you know, this may be the first time they're understanding what that term is. How would you explain it? Um, shoot, I don't even remember now. <laughs> I have to go look back at the book. And I'll give it to Al. Then. Al. Uh, the, the tone, the tone. Yeah, go ahead, Al. Why don't you, why don't you take a shot at it? So it's just generally a tone refers to how does the campaign feel? Um, you know, is it like, like you said, is it, is it a military type uh, campaign? Um, is it a uh, happy go lucky campaign with joking uh, here, uh, here and there? Is it, um, you know, is it a wonder campaign where you're exploring and learning new things and whatnot? So the tone just basically, uh, you know, it, it's like this feeling that flows through. And if you go to all of the main Star Trek uh, shows that have been made, each of them have had their own specific tone, right? And sometimes that tone shifts um, between seasons, um, but for the most part, you can identify the tone of TNG uh, versus the tone of Voyager and see how they feel just a little bit different. You know? mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, well, then, yeah. okay. I think I think I think tone and style of play are a little bit different. I was thinking about style of play, not so much tone. Um, but yeah, good good points, Al. Thank you. Okay, cool. So with that in mind, now that you've heard the definition of tone, I'm going to start with Kai. When it comes to Star Trek, what tone do you like? What's your preference? I like uh, exploration. Um, uh, I mean, I like probably a mix. This is something I'm kind of not really sure about. But uh, it seems like exploration would be something that I would like. The wonder, that sounds interesting to me. Okay, good. Ella? Um, wonder also sounded super interesting to me. I, I would love um, maybe sort of more of like a combo, something that can be super funny and like lighthearted at times, but then also to have those moments where you're like, oh my gosh, why am I at this game? I'm going to cry or like something, you know, just to like, make it a little bit more intense at times, but not dark overall. Does that make sense? Yeah, so like a wee bit of pathos, maybe a wee bit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I have to, I'm going to ask this question because that's that's a good question. I mean, I've written games where 
players not they're not mad at me, but they've been upset and they they get choked up over something. Is that okay if we do that once in a while in a game? It's okay. Yeah. Okay. I don't want That's trauma. Fine. Okay. Good. Scott, what about you? What tone do you like? What's your favorite tone in Star Trek? Um. Well, I think as as far as the a, a game, you want to look for a balance and not have it be you know, to get the variety, like Ella said. And, you know, I'm kind of, you know, I'm old enough that the original series was my, you know, that's my series. And so I have a nostalgic place in my heart for that. So I kind of lean toward, toward that. Uh, And, and TOS, I think, had a good balance of, of uh, episodes that some would be more dramatic, some would be more comedic and i think to a certain extent all the shows have done that but you know like at the time enterprise came out that show got pretty grim for quite a while because it was reflective of the time period uh coming out after 9-11 and stuff but uh you know and i enjoyed enterprise but i wouldn't want a campaign that was as grim as the search for the zindi weapon that that you know it's like i i i need those lighthearted moments okay so basically every game you want to get beat up and not have a light <laughs> at the end of the tunnel what about you jim uh i mean you broke up a little bit was that directed at me yeah yeah jim okay so yeah sorry um i think you know i love all of all star trek obviously but i think um like overall, I, I agree with Scott in that a balance is nice across. I mean, assuming we were to do this as a as a season or a series or something, right? And have something different every every week. Um, I really like the kind of the TNG model where you can do the bold exploring into something new at one point, and then you can have like a really deep political episode the next time, and then you can have a kind of a funny little one off, and then you can have a weird time travely kind of what's going on here kind of thing where you you know turn everything crazy. Um, but for the most part, I mean, it's, you know, it's Star Trek, right? I want to be out there boldly exploring new and interesting things. I don't necessarily want to sit in the alpha and beta quadrants rehashing all the same stuff that we've been seeing for the last 35 years, right? I'd like, I'd like to see some fresh stuff in addition to that. I think, I think TNG kind of stayed home more frequently than, uh, than not. And I think that's one of the things I appreciated about DS9, right, is that they went out to the Gamma Quadrant from time to time, or they had visitors coming in from the Gamma Quadrant, and that kind of shook it up a little bit. Okay, so that sounds good. By show of hands, you you're more interested in new life and new civilizations than seeing Romulans and Klingons every episode. Okay, okay, good. Okay, and so so with that, okay, good. So every so often, maybe the Klingons will poke their nose in and add a little drama. Okay, so good. I'm starting to form. This is good that we're seeing a lot of synergy between all of you so far on that. Now we have to talk. Al, I didn't ask you before I move on to air. I'm sorry. What's your tone that you're shooting for? Um, I, I like that, uh, the exploration and the wonder and the, you know, seeing a new society and how this political structure functions and, um, that type of stuff is just fascinating to me. Um, you know, new science, um, you know, weird things, uh, that, that's the stuff that I really love about Star Trek. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. I know, um, Al did a lot of work on the cultures and religions of Star Trek too. Um, in there. So I know that's the passion you have. Perfect. Okay. Now we got to talk about era. Okay. So, um, it spans nearly a thousand years of time now, Star Trek, and yet it's not limited to that because it is Star Trek. 
Um, Star Trek also covers like what 10% of the galaxy so far, basically. The Federation has been to about 10% of the galaxy. I, I don't know if I'm right, or 18% I've heard somewhere. Um, but there's a lot more galaxy out there and there's a lot more galaxies out there and there's a lot more realms out there. So I'm gonna ask basically when it comes to the era of Star Trek that's your favorite or preferred, or maybe in places you'd like to go, where does your mind take you with this game? Um, let's go ahead and start with Scott on that one. As I mentioned earlier, uh, TOS has a real nostalgic place for me. And so it would, it would be fun to play in that kind of retro uh, version of the future. Uh, but, you know, I love Star Trek kind of across the board. You know, I love DS9. Um, and so I'm really kind of torn about choosing one uh so i would probably be pretty comfortable going with whatever the gm wanted to do okay i like to know that though because you know in my game that i play with my people we bounced back to tos and and interacted with those characters for some episodes which really got the guys revved up you know because they're like oh wow i got to meet kirk and mccoy and these characters so that's not an impossibility um me knowing that that's a passion of yours as a GM, I can start plotting that if everyone else voted for a different type of game. Ella, what about you? What What's your uh, preferred era? Um, I would have to agree with my dad that it it's all so tempting. I think what I've found uh, this week and last week is I've been thinking about how we're going to do this is I've been thinking about Deep Space Nine a lot. And I don't know why, I think maybe it's the combination of like the political intrigue and then also I just, it's, it's a good show. Um, so I guess, you know, based on just what I've been thinking about, I would have to say DS9, but I would really love, yeah, I think that, that there's so many, so many good options. There are, it's a universe of options. It's mind boggling, <laughs> it's horrible. What about you, Kai? I mean, I, I think I would be comfortable in any, era but the cross section of where spock lives and holodecks i think that's where i like to be do you have a crush on spock and i didn't know I just like spock <laughs> she met leonard nimoy at comic con and I, she gushed i was like well, I didn't know. <laughs> so, good to know i'm gonna i may have to buy some ears <laughs> oh what about you what era um i mean uh most uh i'm most familiar with TNG era and uh, New Trek. Um, I would always be willing to try an original series type era. I would like to see some type of story that isn't confined by canon. So, like, you know, if we had a range of years that there is no stories for that we could make the stories for, I think that would be. That's interesting. Okay, that's interesting. And I, I, I see some synergy there. Even, you know, the time between Spock and where holodecks were very visible on Star Trek is a big gap of, of years in between there that aren't really covered. So that's interesting um, that, you, that you say that. What about you, Jim? Yeah, you're right. I mean, there are, there are very, like, if you look at the timeline, there are very specific chunks of time between series that just haven't been touched. It's like, oh, you know, as a GM or a player, it's like, oh, that's a, that's you know, fertile ground for something interesting, um, you know. But like, like a lot of the others, you know, I I love all Star Trek, and I don't think I have a preference for what specific series because, like, the things that I want to do, I could fit into any of those eras or time time frames, right? Like, I love Enterprise, 
as a concept because it's like everything's new, right? You haven't explored much of the galaxy yet, and it's the first steps into something different. But honestly, that concept, you can do that in Next Gen Era or, or Voyager DS9 or um, or even Discovery, right? Either the, the first two seasons or even into the 32nd century, there's still new stuff to explore, right? Space is really, 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 really big, <laughs> right? And even though we always see the little the little pocket of it on television, there's still so much more out there to explore that we could go go off and running and, and never get tired of uh, finding something new. Um, honestly, I love all the uniforms. Uh, I'm, a, I, I'm, a, I'm a closet um, clothes horse. So like, I'd be happy with any of the uniforms, honestly. <laughs> uh, there's something to be said for the classic velour uh, of uh, you know the original series. Um, I think the movie series are maybe maybe a little too militant and a little too Cold Warish for my taste. But that's one of those areas where like after Star Trek Six and then the start of Next Generation, that that whole quote unquote lost era is fertile ground because like there's not a lot there that we know about other than you know little bits and pieces that we see of like Jack Crusher. Or the uh, or the Enterprise um, C going back, you know, to fix uh, or to defend Narendra. So there's a lot of space in there that we that you can uh, that you could play with. But honestly, I'm I'm open to anything, except maybe first and second season D, uh, TNG because like nobody wants to wear those spandex uniforms. Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I love what I'm hearing too because I think some people may forget that there there are thousands of thousands of starfleet vessels out there that's yeah. again we haven't even talked about fan faction yet but there's thousands upon thousands of starfleet vessels out there there's thousands upon thousands of thousands of federation vessels which are not necessarily even affiliated with starfleet maybe they're just picking up a side mission for them and then there's thousands of space stations relay stations colonies planets so there's a lot of story we haven't seen and we've assumed we've seen the best no, because this RPG game may be better than all the shows put together. That's how great RPG can be, right? So, mm -hmm. so from what I'm hearing so far, I'm hearing that um, like Jim and Al don't want to be confined by canon. They think that there's some potential there in the Lost Era. Um, Kai is falling right in that era, if you think about it, between Spock mm -hmm. and Holodex. Um, Scott, you'd be on the tail end of it with the TOS love, maybe run into some characters that are aged or maybe stories could be continued that started in TOS that maybe this crew picks up, like, where are they now? Kind of lower deck style. Right. And then Ella, that would feed your TOS DS9. Maybe, maybe we decide to pick a space station instead of a ship in order to base our activities off of, or maybe we, we service outlying, you know, space stations that are just being set up that aren't seen in the regular series. So this is helping me form a good picture of what kind of game is going to invigorate all of you so far. Does that sound we're on the right track so far? Yep. Yeah. Okay. I'm excited about it. My, see, one of my favorite uh, uniforms, Jim, was actually uh, Undiscovered Country. I just, I just love the bell bottom throwbacks <laughs> <laughs> and the and the, and the collars on those uh, maroon uniforms, right? Like, I, I think if I had one complaint, it's that uh, when they took the when they took the turtlenecks off those uniforms, it just looked wrong. Like, like the, <laughs> the, the the Jack Crusher look and the like the that that weird kind of like middle in between the movies and TNG where they did a couple of the flashbacks. It just, I know it's expensive to remake those shirts too. Right. But it just didn't look right without the, without the shirt collars, but that's just a minor knit. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, don't, don't forget your Viridian patch. If you're going to wear those, that's oh, yeah. <laughs> very important to have one of them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
this is going well. Okay, so so far, um, I'm hearing in campaign tone and era, I'm cl- I'm pretty clear what you're all saying. So I'm getting really good idea of some really fun campaigns to run. But then we have to choose a faction. So that means Federation, Klingon, Romulan. I mean, maybe not even associated with the Federation. I mean, just talk to me now. What do you all? What would your expectations be, Jim? Let's start with you. Um, as to what we were like, what our policy is going into this. Yeah. Uh, I mean, my, my first, my first choice is always going to be Starfleet and, uh, you know, we could all be different races, different species or whatever, but my, my go-to is always uh, being a Starfleet crew. Okay. Al? Uh, yeah, same. Um, I think that, um, you know, it's, it's what we know and love. Uh, that said, I'm quite interested in exploring the civilian experience on board a Starfleet vessel. Um, I think that there's just a lot of really interesting plots that can spring forth. You know what I always wondered based off of that? I always wondered what happened to, I just forgot her name, but out of uh, Voyage Home, she came back from 1980 something. She worked at the Cetacean oh. Institute. Yeah. 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 What happened? What's, what ship did she get stationed to? <laughs> I, I've always, I was like, where did she end up in Star Trek? Uh, Ella, Kai, do you know who I'm talking about? I don't. Okay. I, 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 I do. I don't remember her name. Um, but obviously she worked in Citation Ops. Obviously, right? So, so Al, you're making me tingle there. I may do some GM persuading to you. Um, okay, so uh, what about you, Scott? What, um, what uh, faction do you prefer? Uh, being on board a Starfleet vessel would also be my first take, but like Al said, there's a lot of ways to uh, play around with that because, uh, you know, especially when you're looking at the big uh, uh, galaxy class ships, you know that they're going to have civilian specialists on there. So you could blend being a civilian with having the uh, the big Starfleet adventures. I think sometimes those are the most interesting characters too when the when the civilians come on um you know onto a ship. Kai, what about you? I think as a new player with like a basic Star Trek knowledge, I don't see how I could play anything other than on a Federation ship. It would be really difficult for me <laughs> to play like on a Ferengi ship or something because I just don't know the rules. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> okay, thank you for telling me that. I'm gonna make sure to purchase a copy of the rules of acquisition. For you, by the way, after oh, this, yes. so we, we can we can start working on that. Ella, what about you? Um, I think I agree with with everybody else on that. My my heart, I think, would lie with Starfleet, especially in in the first campaign. Um, but it would be fun, you know, eventually to to venture out a Ferengi ship, a Klingon ship, would be very fun. I think I would want Federation for at least the first or or my first, you know, kind of round. Okay. Well, see, we can always, as a GM, I can always experiment and force you into a situation where you wake up in a different species body somehow and have to operate on their ship as a learning experience. So, you know, what never happened that, that time period too, could be like first contact Ferengi who met the first Ferengi. Oh no, that was TNG. Never mind. Okay. Sorry. It just snapped into my mind. Okay, cool. This is sounding really cool. I'm going to ask an additional question to this then. What type, before we start designing your characters, what role on a ship appeals to you most? I'm going to actually start with Al because you talked about maybe civilian. So what kind of role appeals to you if we're on a, on a, uh, if you're playing a character? Um, 
you know, as someone that uh, likes to um, explore uh, new possibilities with characters, um, I think that I would eventually like to try every role um, at some point. Um, I do uh, enjoy uh, techno babble and science babbling and that type of stuff. Um, so somewhere in those areas, either engineer or scientist or doctor, um, somewhere where you just babble your way through things and like come up with cool inventions or cool explanations, that type of stuff. Okay. Okay. What about you, Kai? Um, I mean, I think I, I like any kind of science or engineering, but um, that would be interesting to be like in, in sick bay too. Now that you just said that <laughs> I've never thought about that. So I could be flexible. Okay. Okay. Well, this is good. I like it when people say they have multiple ideas because then there's less conflict if people are a little, have that little bit of flexibility. I like that. Ella, what about you? Um, I also kind of want to try everything. I think my first instinct would be like a, a lower ranking officer who is still, still gets to do shifts on the bridge, you know, <laughs> like I'm not quite there yet as far as the rank goes, but I get to be up there, you know, at least on the night shift <laughs> to flagship or something. Would you be talking about Boimler. like Ensign? Boimler. Boimler. Delta shift. <laughs> yeah. Delta shift is responsible for everything. <laughs> All right. Would you talk about like cadet, ensign, non-commissioned officer like O'Brien? What, what would you think? All, any. I think, I think... I mean, cadet could be fitting, especially like as a first, like just being a first time player. But I, I was I first was going to say at least Edson, at least Edson. <laughs> well, it's not it's not unusual for cadets. You know, you, you, of course, would choose in the end, but it's not unusual for cadets to sometimes be stationed on the bridge for training, especially if it's a, a, a training mission or cruise like that. Wesley Crusher was a cadet, right, for for years. Scott, what about you? What's your preference in characters? Before this discussion, I probably would have gone right away to science officer, and but now I'm kind of shifting over to it still being in the sciences, but being a civilian specialist, mm. working on some sort of, you know, bizarre Star Trek nonsense science. <laughs> I love this. I mean, anyone who plays with me knows I'm all about the science. I love science. So... Uh, being able to have a science-focused place. My next question when we're done with this, we'll follow up with that. Um, what about you, Jim, your your preference? You know, um, I've been, and not to sound like the old grognard in the room, I've been playing Star Trek for so long, so many different RPGs, and because I'm a writer, like I've got no shortage of character ideas in my head that I would love to play and experiment with. And, you know, having seen all the work that we did on the player guide and the game master guide, there are so many options now for characters that we haven't had before, right? I could I could play literally anything. Like you were talking about flexibility earlier. I could totally play any. I could play a junior officer, a middle mid mid age officer. I could play the captain, whatever, whatever the group needs. I'm happy to fill in in that role because, uh, like, I don't I don't come to a role playing game with the need to um, gain advancements or gain ranks or whatever. I'm just happy to play and play a meaningful, interesting role in the game. Um, I've been captain tons of times. And I won't say I'm sick of it because there's so many great opportunities to do cool stuff. And that's why I'm really uh, a champion of, of trying to encourage people to have a captain in your game, even if they're not super familiar with Star Trek or whatever. Be the captain because, like, watch the show. 
the captains get to do all the cool shit, right? <laughs> they get to make the huge decisions. They make they get to interact with the other um, characters and stuff. So there's a there's a huge amount of rewarding potential there, especially if you have somebody who is uh, is not on a power trip, right? As long as they're not the type of person to say, "Oh, you go do this because I'm the captain," or "You do that because I'm the captain." That's not what you want, right? But if you've got a good a good character person who can do a good captain, I'd say go for it, absolutely. But you know, honestly, I, I'll play anything. Um, I'm totally. I mean, between this, the love of civilian specialists yeah. and and uh, the science lovers here that I'm seeing, I, I'm just seeing us leaning toward even a, a specialized group on a starship who who have mm-hmm. a special mission. You know, so yeah. so especially if we if we were playing just one game, for instance, suppose we only had time to play one game, I would totally make it that you all come together at a space station in order to go on a mission. Yeah, and come back. You're gathered. Maybe you will will stick together. Maybe you won't. If this is a long term yeah. thing, I'm sounding it could be a little bit lowers deck. Like, okay, maybe you're not all on the bridge all the time, but you're serve a specialized function. There's so much you can do with Star Trek Adventures. You can do any game you want to create. So this yeah. is really exciting to hear hear you all say. Yeah, that. yeah. You know, Mike, right, Michael. The, what I was the the first thing that came to mind when I was listening to everybody talking about their ideas, and then you came to me. I was like, I should tell. I would love to play the first officer, and we could make the captain an NPC because it sounds like this group, like like the skill sets they're interested in and the things they want to do, it almost feels like we'd be on a lot of away team missions or on a lot of we'd be doing a lot of planetary surveys or we'd be on the alien artifacts, you know, uh, hitting it with wrenches trying to figure out what's making it tick or not tick or whatever. Right? Let the captain be off on the ship doing their thing. Let us be. Let us getting. Let us be. You know, on the ship or on the planet, getting our hands dirty. Uh, that almost kind of feels like the 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 angle we're going for here. So uh, it's just a thought. But uh, um, I, no, I, I love, love it. it. I, I love that's the kind of the feel that we're getting from this. No, and I think game masters and and people who want to be game masters should yeah. hear this because it's not about modeling exactly what happened in TOS or modeling exactly happened with on DS9. It's about finding uh-huh. what we're doing now everyone's preferences and yeah. so i could take any based off everything everyone said so far i could take any module and i could be like okay they are on this mission because their specialty requires them to and if it was multiple games i'd probably weave them all together so that it's some sort of starfleet sanctioned mission with some greater find at the end and these are the only people even the cadet maybe is so brilliant in their field that they're allowed to go along. Maybe they have a familial connection to the discovery or something. So they, they got on board. So there's so many ways we can go with this. It's exciting to hear all the ideas and come up with it. All yeah. right. And with that, Michael, can I, can I stop you real quick? I'm going, to, I'm going to be a good go. I'm going to be a good co-host and I'm also going to be a good player and say that we have two great questions in the Q and a that I think fit right into this. And Please. that would be, that would be number one. What are your expectations? And what are your hopes for the game? Because it's not just about the players, right? The game master has to have fun too. And so like if, if the five of us are coming up with all these crazy ideas and like in the back of your mind, you're like, oh, but I really kind of wanted to do this, but I'll, I'll go along with it because it's the group, right? So like, you know, think about what are your expectations? What are your joys and loves for Star Trek? And then uh, we, might be able to, we might be able to fold in Wayne's question here. I don't, I don't know exactly if it quite fits. We might save that for later, but uh, just, you know, in terms of everything you've heard so far, like what excites you? What what eras of play? What tone? That kind of stuff. What what's exciting for you? I'm all over the place because I'm about a good story, and I I I really am not particular as a GM. Um, I, I ping my players all the time. What do you want out of it? What do you want out of it? I will say though, su- suppose during the session zero, let's talk about session zero go wrong. Suppose everyone said something and I'm just not feeling it. 
well, then I'm going to be kind. I'm not going to waste their time. And I'm going to be like, you know what? Uh, I'm cool. Maybe somebody else wants to GM or, and this is why it's important to have a session zero, especially if you're playing across different time zones in different states and things, people have to feel like it's worth showing up. It has to make them feel good at the end. So GMs, it's okay to say, you know, I'm cool. Let me go look for some other players. Players, it's cool for you to walk away too, right? In a session zero. That's why we have them. All right. Did you want to add anything else, Jim? No, I think that was good. Okay, we'll talk about fave episodes toward the end because everyone likes talking about our favorite episodes sure. of Star Trek. I know that. Now, this is going to be a great time. Now, because of the limits of time, um, we're only going to show you one character being made through character creation because this is also during session zero where you would do that. So um, Ella's volunteered to go ahead and have us watch her as she does her character using um, what the engine that, that's provided by Modiphius for character creation. It's totally cool. So if you've never seen this, it's going to be epic when she shares her screen. Now, at the same time as she's doing that, um, Kai, Al, Scott, and Jim are also going to be creating their characters. So maybe if she's talking through the decisions for the type of character she's creating, um, it may sway some of them to pick different focuses or pick different um, talents or different areas of strength. Okay. But uh, Ella, are you ready to share your screen and we can start this? Yeah, sure. Right. This is the fun part. This is the fun part when you get to create your own character, right? <laughs> All right. So, okay. For those of you, um, just so you know, you can see up there in the URL um, where you go to find this. Um, maybe I'll ask Jim if you can drop that link in for anybody who wants to maybe play along with us right now and create their characters while we're creating our characters. Yep, it's in the um, chat window. Okay, perfect. Thank you so much. You bet. Um, and so, Ella, let's start um, what we do is you're gonna to go to characters and starships. It sounds like we've selected our era so far, right? So um, go ahead and collect, select uh, all, first of all, at the very top left-hand corner. Okay, we're just gonna have you select all so you, we have access to everything, but we're definitely gonna be playing, I think we're gonna to have to select original series in this one based off everything you all said. Okay, let's go. And selecting all helps us have a little bit more options since we're playing a little after the original series, right? All right, now you've all just uh, selected Starship personnel or were you, yeah, you're gonna be Starship. You wanna be the cadet. Now, if you wanted to be a civilian specialist, would we pick supporting character on this, Jim? I'm sorry, I, what was that question again? If somebody wanted to be a civilian specialist, would they pick supporting character or would they still pick Starfleet personnel? I uh, no, I would well for now pick Starfleet personnel. Uh, okay. We don't have we don't have the civilian options from the player's guide in here yet because we're waiting for the book to come out. Um, okay. But once once it comes out, there'll probably be a new option here for civilians. Uh, but for for the purposes of this exercise, just pick Starfleet personnel. I mean, because everything's really for the most part just flavor anyway. Um, yeah. So yeah, pick Starfleet. Yeah, you got it. Now you get the fun part, Ella. You get to either select your species, select a mixed species, or just randomly select one. What do you want to do? I think I'm going to select. I don't feel, I, I don't think I want to risk a, a roll yet. Okay. What are you going to pick? I think, you know, my, personally, I'm just going to have to go Vulcan. All right. Cool. That so is everyone, where my, my heart has always been with Vulcan. I'm going to have to stick with it. Okay, prove it. Prove it by proving you. Can you do that? Okay, good. Okay. If you couldn't, I'd be like, no, as game master, no. 
Just kidding. All right. So once you pick this for people who are doing this for the first time, it gives you certain bonuses based on the species you pick. And if you, it gives you a description that you could read there so that you know a little bit more about your species. So again, as Ella's doing this, hopefully you all are also creating your characters because at the end, I'm going to ask you what you created. All right. So go ahead, um, Ella, go ahead and uh, pick a talent. As you notice at the bottom, you can click a talent. Talents are used when you're playing in order to enhance your dice rolls or to give you some sort of bonus um, when playing. We have other videos about that. And I'll just I'll just add that, you know, in, in the interest of time, we're just really watching um, Ella do hers. But if I were running a session zero with a new group and we were heading into a campaign, um, this would be more of a conversation piece right here. We would all be talking about what species we were thinking about playing and um, like, you know, you know, Scott, what would you be playing? What am I going to be playing? I, I was thinking Denobulin or I was thinking Trill. Um, and that way you kind of get a sense of like, what's the what's the what's the, the the diversity of the crew? Like, are we all playing Vulcans or are we all playing something different or something crazy or unique? Um, so I know we don't have a lot of time to do that here, Michael, but that, that's something that I was thinking about is like this would also be a conversation among the group. It wouldn't just be us, you know, stovepiped creating our own characters. We'd be having a back and forth. And in fact, if I were doing it with session zero with a group that I knew I was going to play games with, a lot of this would have been done over email or video chats or discord or something ahead of time, just so that we already had a, a working knowledge. But coming to it fresh like this, um, I would want that conversation to be in here somewhere. Agreed. Yeah. So before we even start this, you'd all kind of decide and model your characters before jumping into the technical part here, right? Yeah, there's a lot of ways to do it. Um, so makes sense. Yeah, I agree. So go ahead and just pick a, a talent. I, I see you hovering around nerve pinch. Yeah, I mean, you gotta. You got I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. What's a Vulcan who can't pinch somebody? Exactly. All right. Then um, you're gonna collect select your environment. And this is basically where you know where you came from. Should I I kind of want to roll on this one? Ooh, go for it. Yeah, we can't control where we're born, right? Frontier Colony. That's exciting. Yep, and then you get to add either to control or fitness. Again, we have other videos that describe what all this is. We're just showing you how to create a character, which would be a session zero thing. What's what's one of their disciplines going to be? Con, flying a ship, medicine, or security? I'm going to say con. Oh, nice, nice. Understand that when you pick something like con, it doesn't mean that you're necessarily flying the ship. You could design them. You could be a theoretical aeronautic engineer. It means a lot in Star Trek, Okay. And then a value that I'll talk about during session zero, you would talk about values. And these are things that are close to your heart. So for now, you could just pick something, maybe even a value you have in real life, a value you wish you had, um, something you feel strongly about. Do you need some examples of what values are? Maybe, yeah, yeah. Okay, so, so for instance, a value could be, um, I honor the Federation above all else. So that will affect how you play the game. It could also mean I don't think humor is appropriate on the job. That could be a value. <laughs> so, you know, it could be I love training others. So it's something that as you play the game, you can actually bounce off of this and riff off of it to enhance your gameplay. That's awesome. Why don't we I'm gonna, why don't we say like loyalty to the Federation? Like you said, I feel like we got to start. Let's start there. All right. Perfect. Good. And now your upbringing. And so you you figured out what kind of environment you were born in. Um, but now was it you can pick one, which could be like maybe you grew up agriculturally or scientifically or in war, or you can roll it randomly. 
or let's select it. What was it? It was, I grew up on a frontier colony, right? So let's say. Yep. What was their specialty? Was it science and technology? Let's say it was a Starfleet, it was a Starfleet colony. Awesome. And again, you see how that affects all of your different attributes and disciplines by selecting that. Were you acceptance of your growing up or were you a Vulcan rebel? Were you a rebel? I think, I think that I accepted it because I, because I went on to be, to be a Starfleet officer, obviously. So clearly I loved my, my upbringing. Fantastic. And so what disciplines applied to you there? What did you study more of while you were in the colony? Maybe engineering. Okay. There could be some stuff to engineer on the frontier colony. Okay, I'm picturing it, con engineering. And again, you select another talent that you may have um, naturally or you developed. This is hard. This is so exciting. I think. <laughs> Don't worry, you can always change it once you create it. It's not in stone. Even when the PDF comes out, we can write all over it. Let's say you have some good collaboration here. Okay. Couldn't nice. survive on the frontier colony without it. Smart. Okay. And now you get to pick a focus. Notice that it gives you suggestions underneath. You don't have to go with those, but the, those are suggested based off the life path you've already chosen so far. Maybe let's go with small craft. That's a good suggestion. Frontier yeah. Colony, some little dinky shuttles. We don't know. Definitely some land speeders, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Maybe anything you want. Cool. All right. Now. Are you selecting uh, the officer's track? It sounds like you are. I, yeah. Based on what I've built so far of, of my life, I feel like, obviously, okay. I'd be an officer. Okay. Fantastic. Mm. What, what academy track were you on when you went to school? Remember, you don't, all, everyone doesn't have to travel all the way to Starfleet Academy in San Francisco. There's online courses. Thank goodness. So <laughs> what were you studying while you were out there? I feel like command track. Ooh. Born and raised in Starfleet, confident. Very nice. Good. Yeah, and as you're doing this, you know, I want people who are tuning in, the players at this time can kind of be like, okay, I'm starting to picture what my parents were like or my adopted parents or who, you know, this all starts forming when you're doing this. Do you feel that happening, Ella? Yeah, I'm I'm having a little bit too much fun. <laughs> I'm trying to rein in so that we can focus, but I want to read everything. <laughs> I know, and I appreciate it. Believe me, Jim has like a thousand characters generated. I have like a hundred just for fun. <laughs> I ended up filling up my whole ship with characters with this. <laughs> so so now you, you would add your for your attributes, you know, where you have bonuses, where you're a little bit smarter, maybe reasoning, or you have excellent yeah, fitness like or something. A Vulcan, yeah. yeah. You get to pick up to three of those or double up on one. Yeah, you can. Ooh. I'm going to double up on reason and then and then do one for presence. Cool. All right. You have gravitas when you walk in the room. Nice. Again, what were your majors, command or con? I'm going to say con. Okay, cool. And then discipline. And then maybe, yeah, maybe command was, was a little secondary. Perfect. You get to pick two. Select two. Yeah. Let's say engineering. Nice. Okay. I'm picturing this character. You get three more focuses because every new character starts with six focuses. So, and it could be, if you wanted to like macrame, you could, you know, you may want to have one artsy <laughs> thing. Crochet. There you go. Pick crochet and two others. Go I'll ahead. do crochet. I can, I can crochet a little bit in real life. So it could, it could apply. Oh, see, that's fun that you can bring that into the game and add a little, uh, round out your character a little bit. That's great. 
Um, let's say maybe helm operations. Okay. I feel like I would I would need that coming from a small craft background. I would I would want some some bigger stuff here and maybe diplomacy. Very nice. That makes me think maybe on the outskirt colony you had to deal with alien species or something or traders, you know, who weren't Federation aligned or something. Okay. Okay. All the time. Yeah. I've seen I've seen a lot. Cool. Another talent, because you get up to four, so you picked two already. So what's one more talent you want? I and again, we are I'm going like, fast on this, people. We're going really fast. Yeah, I'm <laughs> I'm going like light speed. I really want to read every single thing on here. <laughs> but I think I want to go with this very first engineering thing, because I feel like with mm-hmm. a background in engineering on my frontier calling, maybe I'm a little craftier mm-hmm. than your, your average Vulcan from the home world would be about engineering. I think so. You probably know how to make a solar sail. If you have to. (laughs) Exactly. Okay, cool. Another value, maybe based off what you said just now about being a little crafty on a frontier colony. Can you think of a value that might match that? Um, let's see. What's something about what? Like using your environment to your advantage? Is that too long? That could be it. Use my environment to my advantage. Yeah. I know about you, Jim. I want this person on my own. I want this cadet. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Okay. And now we go into your career. You get to select. I do want to select. I don't want to roll. Well, I think we already know. Yep. Young officer. Mm -hmm. Now select a value which reflects your inexperience and naivete in some way. Mm. What's a good thing? I feel like I wouldn't be used to, and um, maybe the Academy helped with this. I feel like I wouldn't be used to the size of a Starfleet vessel. Okay. That's so good. What, I don't know, but I don't know what would reflect. So overwhelm, easily overwhelmed by grandiose things. I'm making okay. that up. <laughs> maybe, maybe prefer small spaces. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, let's say that. Or prefer. Or feels feels more confident on smaller ships, maybe. There you go. Perfect. Yeah, that's a great one. On small vessels. Good. Go. And just so anybody knows who hasn't played the game yet, values can be used as a positive and as a negative. So on a large uh, vessel, as a game master, I can make this a challenge for you. So that's kind of cool. All right. Good. And now we pick career events. Um, this means you can either select one or you can roll it randomly. So basically, these are things that happen to you in your life that will affect how you view the world around you? I think we should roll it because I don't want to, you know, I feel like it, it's going to happen to me. not going to have roll control. It. I love it. I love it. Oh, oh, look That's at what so you got. exciting. <laughs> oh, look what you got. You got required to take command. That's so cool. I was looking at these earlier and this is my favorite. I oh, think it's my. maybe my favorite, like Star Trek, one of my favorite Star Trek tropes. This is fantastic. Yeah. And, and so you get to pick a focus that matches that. I mean, I picture like all the leaders of your colony dying somehow and you had to come up with that, but it's your story to tell. <laughs> I'm going to say, I'm going to say maybe lead by example. You know, if I'm not, if I wasn't as confident on larger vessels and then something happened and it, and it was only me, I had to take command. I think I would gain the ability to be like, oh, I have to stay calm and collected. I have to do my best, my best work here. That's awesome. This Let me is great. Get to the second one. And you get to this select so the second. Like, what? 
I'm like, what happens after this part of the game? I'm already... (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, think about, again, I just want to highlight, look how rich your character is and you haven't even infused them with personality yet. Yeah. So cool, right? So let you want to roll a second career event randomly? Yeah, I think we should. And and Ella, this is one of the fun things about about RPGs is that even if you don't have an opportunity to play, you can just sit with the character generator and make characters all day long and just come up with these stories. And it's just so much fun for those of us who don't have time to play a game or or maybe you just don't have the ability to find players or something. This is just a way to kind of like scratch the creative itch a little bit. Totally is. And I can't wait to see what you're all producing too. Go ahead. (laughs) The like, I love the rolling, especially on these career events. It's so funny. I'm like, oh my God, I had a mentor. (laughs) Oh no, I had to take a minute. (laughs) Yeah, this is great. And and so the mentor taught you something, if you can see, because they're getting, they're letting you add in certain areas, right? I think insight. insight. I'm just curious. Was your mentor a Vulcan? I'm just curious. I think, I think, well, maybe could be maybe a Vulcan that's always lived, maybe a Vulcan from the home world. Mm. We don't know. Could be exciting to have. It's always nice to have a little, a little comparison, like a human Vulcan comparison. Yeah. Love that. Sucker for that. All right. And now you oh, get. This is hard to ch- choose these focuses. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Could be something they taught you too as a mentor. Maybe etiquette. Maybe I learned more about about a bigger ships, okay. about interacting with with somebody, you know, an admiral. Okay, good. Yeah, etiquette's good. A little, a nice little gentle mentorship. Yeah, you could even call that Starfleet protocol, maybe. <gasps> oh, let's do that. That's way better. <laughs> the way you describe it's it, almost like you know what you're doing. <laughs> a little bit. I love that. <laughs> All right, we're getting near the end. You're going to get a chance to, again, um, add to your disciplines one point. Based I think on I'm going to add to medicine because I, I would need to have some frontier medicine knowledge, I think. Love I would definitely have that. All right. All right. And again, you get to, you're almost complete. Some last minute adjustments to get mm. your character to max points. I think we should add reason i think if i was a vulcan i was raised by vulcans i think i would have a pretty good grasp on that and then maybe presence again i feel like i'd be very confident in my starfleet you know even though i'm more comfortable on smaller ships i feel like i'd be very confident yeah i'm picturing that for your character anyone who saves takes the lead in some frontier colony probably built up built up some charisma yeah Okay. All right, and two more points to con. distribute. Yeah, you max out con because you're new. Untapped potential as a cadet, you can't exceed four. Yeah, oh, so you still learning. Newbie. Yeah. Hmm. I think maybe we should give science one. I feel like I, you know, we don't know what was my job at the frontier colony. What did my parents do? Mm-hmm. And then. Maybe another one to engineering. Okay, sounds yeah. good. One more value based off this. This will be your last value that shapes your character. I think I think trust in my crew. Okay, sounds good. Especially in survival circumstances, like sounds like you've been a part of. All right. Yeah, I feel like I would, I would, that's that's how I feel. 
All right. You had oh, finished. Okay. You get to give it a name. You get to give this character a name. Just, I feel like I'm deaf. I feel like a she, her. A name? That's so hard. Should I use one of these example ones? <laughs> you could, yeah. I When I was a kid, here, I'll do something funnier. When I was a kid and I loved Vulcans, my dad said that my Vulcan name was Topella. That's a real story. Oh, that's uh, cute. So okay, that's that. great. Her first <laughs> character has a familial connection. <laughs> oh. All right, there goes your assignment. You got to go down the ranks here oh now. Gosh. I think there's cadet down there somewhere, or let's see. Is there a cadet? These also. Oh no, no. First, sorry, it's your assignment, and then your cadet. I mean, assignment, then your rank. So, what are you doing on this as a as a cadet? What's your specialty? Hmm. I don't know, Jim. What are you thinking? Hel do we do I smell a helm officer here, or an engineer, <laughs> or a design? What do you think? Oh, uh, you know, I, I apologize. I was working on my character. Um, oh. I have to look at the stats, but um, all right. I, I liked what I was hearing, though. Okay, I think flight controller sounds sounds good for now, Ella. We can always change it once everyone Let's makes do their that. characters. Okay, yeah and, then, yeah, and then you go ahead and pick your rank. Oh, you you get to uh, be a lieutenant, junior grade, or an ensign. Based I think let's go for Ensign. I think we should stay. We've been on this track the whole time. Yes. Sounds good. And now with all your values displayed there, you export to PDF. And so far we have Tapella as a potential flight controller, Ensign Tapella. I'm loving this character. And you get to choose your template, Klingon template. You can do the TOS character template, the Klingon yeah. character sheet, or the TNG. But it sounds like we're going TOS era here. Give Ella a round of applause for character. Good job. And I'm in love with this character already. It sounds good. <laughs> oh, um, awesome. I'm going to uh, assume, is everyone else done with their characters? And you can maybe tell us a little bit about them. Uh, let's start with Scott. Scott, what did you come up with? I came up with a character who was raised on a uh, frontier colony, which I think also was uh, Tapella but a different colony. Uh, and he was raised in a sort of artistic colony. And he rebelled against that a little bit and went on the science track. Interesting. Tell us about his species, his focuses, his values. Uh, he's human. I just picked that because I was already being overwhelmed by the choices that early <laughs> in, the, in the process. Um, uh, I'm sorry, what was the next question? Um, and tell us about his focuses and his values. Oh, uh, his, his primary value is just wanting to use science for the betterment of, of everyone. And he's focused on non-warp field faster than light travel. Ooh, I like that. Because I was trying to come up with, you know, esoteric science, trechnobabble stuff that could... Uh, come up in a game wow so what are his focuses uh i actually put discovery of arcane science as a focus okay. and then uh, beyond that i used some more uh common stuff astrophysics warp field dynamics string theory uh and he also has a focus on uh, the bajoran culture he's a friend of the bajorans interesting wow. and uh, a final focus is the non-lethal use of, of technology when uh, necessary. Wonderful. What's his name? His name is Steve Mackinnon. Okay, Mackinnon. And, and what's his rank? 
is a petty officer first class. All right. All right. I'm loving this. Okay. I'm loving this. I'm already picturing the uh, uniforms too, as as we make this going. And I love, by the way, non-warp faster than light technology. It's one of my favorite things to to play about. Okay. Al, what about us? What what do you have for us? Tell us about your character. I think he may have froze. Jim, let's go to you. I think Al's lagging a little bit. Oh, sure. No problem. Uh, Let me see if I can... uh... Sure. All right. Um, so, uh, oh, oh, wait, go ahead, Al. You guys got me? Yep. And we see you sharing screen. Perfect. That's Jim's well, screen. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll shut it off. Go ahead, Al. <laughs> uh, so, um, I'm, I'm doing an Andorian named Thaluzin, um, who is, uh, who has helped, uh, build starships. Uh, his family has done it uh, for quite some time. This was a joint, um, Thing with Starfleet, where he was uh, helping manage at uh, Space Dock, uh, and considering uh, when we decide what we want to do as far as ships go, um, you know, it, I was thinking that possibly this could be a prototype ship that he had some special, um, he contributed some special things to, um, and he just uh, really likes to look after um, uh, his baby. My goodness, I'm seeing some synergy there with Scott's character. Uh oh, where they may be secretly working on some, you know, technology, and maybe they had to go to a frontier colony to work on it under out of the watchful eye of Starfleet. Okay. Yeah, it's because it, it focuses our starship design, warp field dynamics, um, architecture. Uh, so he's um, big on design and um, uh, also external ship operations for repairs. Uh, things like that. I'm loving this so far. I'm loving this. So I'm ideally, please, yeah. All right. Ideally, I mean, I went through the generator and put in chief engineer, um, but I was thinking that I might uh, go with the administrator role from the player's guide, um, like he was the foreman of this project, something like that. Okay, man, I'm seeing us on on this rusty dock, like huge dock somewhere on a frontier colony with this fantastic ship and we have an administrator of the project and are you starfleet or not starfleet al i forgot i mean i I wrote myself up as starfleet but i would consider not doing it just going out with my ship on the first mating maiden voyage or something like that okay yeah 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 and we have this character like doc from back to the future scott's character out there with his crazy science okay i'm seeing this so far all right jim let's go to you because we have so far we have a we have a Vulcan, we have a human, we got an Andorian. What do you got for us, Jim? Share your sheet. So I went Andorian as well. And uh, just based on what we had been talking about as a group, kind of like the, the general gist of where things were going, um, I thought I would I could make this character. He could very easily be the first officer if we're on a ship or chief of security if we're on a ship or, or if we're on um, a station of some sort. Um, I, I, I'm still working on the focuses and the values, but... Uh, He's very much, um, you know, the the two the two random career events I got for him were discover an alien artifact, which I thought was kind of cool. So that gives him a little bit of an engineering angle where he, he's like kind of like he's he's really kind of the hardcore security guy. But he's also got this kind of like sense of wonder of like, oh, look at this cool alien weird technology. I'd like to learn more about that. Um, and then at one point he betrayed his ideals for a superior officer. So I'm going to have to work, work that into it somehow. Um, but I, I really see him being the uh, 
um, the not so much the protective um, mother, but just kind of uh, Starfleet to the core. The crew's my family. I'm going to keep you all while you all are doing your crazy cool science stuff. And I'll be looking over your shoulder once in a while to see the cool science stuff. I'm going to be keeping your butts safe while you're doing your cool thing. So that's kind of the angle I'm going for right now. Uh, I'm thinking about um, and Dorian. So obviously he'd, he'd have a, a good connection with Al's character just by virtue of the fact that this is original series era. You know, um, there might still be a little residual like uh, species kind of stick together, <laughs> right? It's not quite as inter fully integrated as as a TNG that we saw. Uh, so there's some stuff we can play with there. And I think he would really take well to uh, Ella's um, um, ensign because she'd be, she'd probably be our point person for being the pilot on most of our, uh, most of our expeditions. So he'd be right there, um, you know, supporting, supporting and helping out and that kind of stuff. So that's, that's, that's what I was thinking anyway. This is beautiful. And just let you know how the mind of a GM works at this point, as I'm listening to this for you GMs, I'm thinking that whatever Scott's character was working on was in the same solar system as Tapella's colony and whatever faster than life uh, technology he was working on, which interests Jim's and Dorian character, something exploded, but destroyed her homeworld colony. Mm -hmm. And she, and that's something I wouldn't even, exposed till issue 12 you know this is this would be the connection it's like his wacky science let them get really chummy for 12 episodes and then all of a sudden wait you're the reason my people are dead that's what a game master does okay all right so kai let's hear your character how's going to add to this drama to this show so far um my character is named valil cogrel she is a joined trill okay who is, I mean, I don't know. Do I just read off of my sheet here? Yeah, She's a lieutenant, junior grade. Her environment is home world. Um, assignment is physician's assistant. Focuses are infectious disease, emergency medicine, animal science, survival, and counseling. Mm. Values I'm still working on, but friends of past trill lives are like family is one. Animals are people too is another. <laughs> um, what else? So yeah, I'm just I'm imagining some kind of Jedzia Dax character. <laughs> I don't know about you. <laughs> who's but I think, on? Yeah. Um, who's in this in the uh, sick bay? <laughs> yeah, I don't know about the rest of you, but I think we found the heart and glue to the ship. <laughs> of crazy characters with the counseling and all this stuff going on i think that would be the heart that's the person who everyone kind of talks to the, the guinan of the of the of the show right okay so, so, so right before we have 12 minutes and before we um go to talk about the ship now or the colony or whatever we're doing i got to get everyone's feel how you feel so far about these characters ella what are you feeling right now um, this is so exciting. I can't believe that we all, obviously you guys could hear us talking about the character I was making, but I feel like they all fit together so well in such an interesting way already. Yeah. Like we Ow. had your little like Captain America Civil War like moment where it's like, oh my God, you were the one that killed them. That's crazy. Right. And again, I would never tell anyone this at the beginning. Maybe I would tell if Jim ended up being the executive officer, maybe he would have that intel from Starfleet and maybe has to decide whether to share it or not just to create intrigue. I, I plant little seeds like that to, to have people make conscious decisions. Al, what's your take overall so far with the group? 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's really cool. I love seeing diverse crews, first of all. I, I think that, especially in this era where you really didn't see very many diverse crews, um, really, I think it's it's neat to see that. Like, And then even after Jim introduced his Dor- and Dorian, maybe I would do an ANR. Or, you, know, you know what I mean? Like, you know, just to get a little bit more diversity in there as well. And um, a little bit more of, um, you know, interactions between the two of our characters. Um, so I really like where we're at and the stories all seem kind of like intertwined pretty nicely. If we really get, you know, really think about it and really drill down on it. For sure. How about you, Kai? How are you feeling so far hearing all these characters? I mean, I'm feeling good. I feel like I, this is definitely something that I feel like as a player, you need to sit and think about and flesh out your character. Like, I, I feel like the time that we did this in is not enough for me to really like get attached to what I just did. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> but, getting... I mean, I like it. I like my character so far. Yeah. I think for us who play RPGs know that it takes four to five hours normally just to do this, this process. And that's again, over email and talking and getting things tight. So you're right. Of course, we don't want people watching us for five hours, right? And we want to eat dinner. Scott, what about you? How are you feeling? I'm feeling good. It was a lot of fun putting this character together. Uh, I used some of the stuff I chose, some of the stuff I used, the random. And that really, you know, it springs on you ideas for what sort of backstory your character could have. And it is amazing how uh, all these, this blend of chosen stuff and and random stuff, how it, almost easy it was to start to, connecting these characters in ways that would lead to interesting stories oh yeah it's very yeah yeah. it was just and it was a challenge too because like you say about the five hours as a writer (laughs) just trying to like i mean i'll I'll spend an hour just picking a character's name sometimes you know so just like forcing myself to go through this and just do it was a lot of fun right and it's very this is where it throws back to improv to me it's very yes and Yes, and. Notice we didn't say no bad idea. No, that doesn't work. It's yes, and. And if you do a yes, and game, it takes off. Jim, what about you? How are you feeling? No, I feel great. I I think uh, just listening to everybody, I'd be like talking to Al, if you want even more diversity, I would probably change my character from an Andorian to an Afrosian, probably, or maybe even to another uh, species just to get a little bit more variety, even more variety. I mean, I love the idea of having two Andorians having that common kind of common thread, but it would be super easy just to create a, a, a different species, but keep the core of the character in place. So that's just negotiation and conversation. Um, totally cool with that. But uh, I love this crew <laughs> already. And we're only, what, half, you know, an hour into it or something. But uh, um, I, I, I can see, like, just being a, being a game master and a player, I can see this from both angles. This this could have legs, right? And we could, we could do something with this beyond just a one-shot. So uh, I'm excited already just with the little bits of um, backstory and connectivity that we've got going. This is exactly what I would want out of a session zero knowing that, you know, a session zero would probably be a little longer because we would be spending more time with the values and the characters and the connections and stuff. But as a starting point, this is great. I'd be, I'm all over this. Well, and based off what two, at least two people expressed, they wanted a little humor in it. I would actually ask that there's the two Andorians stay for political reasons, which I could go deep into, but I won't. But since it seems like we have Doc Brown at the science guy over here, I would love the humor of alien perspectives on the one lone human. I mean, that would be like an aspect you've never seen in Star Trek before, which could be totally <laughs> funny um, yeah. hearing them. So, so because for the sake of time, um, this, we have this great crew so far, I want to talk about 
the space frame. So um, does anyone, I'll, I'll start with least experienced to most experienced with Star Trek, a favorite ship type, okay? And it, don't worry about error at this point. Just tell me what your favorite ship is and why you like that particular ship. Kai, do you have one? I don't know that I know enough about Star Trek to know the names of the ship, but mm-hmm. I like the ship that have elaborate holodecks. I told you before, I am a fan of holodecks. <laughs> the luxury ships as close to a cruise ship as possible with all the bells and whistles. Okay, with a good bar, right? With good mixture. With a good bar. I do, yeah. <laughs> so you need a bartender on your ship. <laughs> Yes. Okay. Ella, what about you? Um, I think I'm just going to have to go with uh, the Enterprise, a TOS era, I think. Just always beats anything. I remember the moment that the Enterprise flew in at the end of the first season, I think it's the first season of Disco, and I was like so blown away. I feel like I have to just stick with that. (laughs) That was a good feeling. Moment of silence. Mm. Okay. Scott, what about you? Oh, yeah, I, I definitely have to go with the Constitution class uh, TOS or, you know, the or the refit uh, in the movies was uh, fabulous as well. Yeah. Al? Uh, I love the Nebula class. It's one of my favorites. And for that I mean, era, I'm too. a big fan of Luna as well. But um, but Nebula, I think, is just you can do a lot with it. Yeah. And just for everyone who doesn't know, that's like the Wrath of Khan style ship, right? Up, I think uh, okay. it's got it's got the mission pods. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. That's a modification. Yeah. Yeah. If I'm wrong, believe me, I'll hear it. I'll get a whole bunch. That's not. <laughs> I'll hear it before the end of this thing. Okay. How about you, Jim? What's your favorite class of show? Oh, you know, good players don't pick on the GM, but uh you, you'll you'll hear it later. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, gosh, yeah, my favorite ship. Um, see, and, and this is where I'm trying not to think about our era and the game that we're going to play here. But uh, I think um, I really grew attached to the Enterprise D, partly because Next Gen was really the Star Trek I grew up on more than anything else. I mean, I love I love the Constitution, and I really love like what uh, Ella was saying. I really love the 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 redress they did on it for Discovery. I think that the Constitution clean up a little bit on discovery was pretty sharp uh of course the movie version is pretty great too but um yeah i think i think the uh, the galaxy class was, was was always one of my favorites might be too big for this particular campaign but uh great great ship design yeah it sounds to me like we'd be moving around the constitution just post constitution class between the retrofit and the movies mm-hmm. era ship i also have a feeling that we'd be on a colony a lot for some reason a research colony so we may get a little bit of ds9 feel to what Ella wanted to. And, and normally at this point too, um, is where people, again, you can't do an instantaneously where you would create a name for the ship, right? So a ship would get its name. And, and I wanna, I'm gonna just um, toss it over between Al and Jim to start when it comes to naming ships. How do you decide on ship names? What's your best advice for people who, new game masters and players who are watching this, Al? Um, well, first thing, um, one of the things, actually, the last two games that I've actually played, we actually had a separate Session Zero just for choosing a ship and naming the ship and all of the shuttles and all that type of stuff. Um, okay. Just because we ran out of time doing all the character stuff. Um, but I think that um, there are many ship classes that have been introduced that have um, naming schemes, and you can always uh, look those up on uh, Memory Alpha or whatnot. Um, and, uh, I think that, um, you know, 
historical figures um, that have something to do with what the focus of your ship is, is always an easy way to go. Um, you know, we like to uh, try to start uh, including some more um, multicultural names um, in as well, right? Um, uh, because, you know, when we're looking towards that one future, it's a one, you know, a one people with multiple cultures um, that those cultures should be recognized among the ships as well. Yep. I know the last ship me and Al had to name, I looked up Persian astronomers and we ended up with somebody from like the 1300 BCs and some really cool contributions to science that were yep. not taught in school. And we made that the name of one of the ships. Jim, what about nice. you? What's your advice? Um, so I, I, I kind of have two, well, three, three approaches, I guess. The first approach is to, to have the group think and have everybody throw their cool ideas out for ship names and then kind of come to a group consensus that way. Um, if I'm the GM and I'm usually the GM, um, I try to kind of lean the conversation toward picking a ship name that is either kind of relevant to the canon, right? Like, so like, you know, most ship classes generally have some sort of naming convention already built into them. Like the Luna classes are all moons of uh, the solar system, you know, et cetera. Um, the constitution class, there's some traditional constitution class names, of course. Um, but me being me, right, I tend to lean toward mythology or Shakespeare. And um, what I do is, you know, and I get into the weeds, right? I'll, I'll go on Wikipedia and I'll start researching, oh, Hyperion, what was Hyperion? And then I start thinking about the mythology. And then I start thinking about what kind of story hooks can I pull out of that mythology and kind of blend it into the campaign as we go so that even if the players don't pick it up, I'll know it's there, right? So, because I can think in my head, oh, this is the bit where this mythological character did this uh, story, right? And then I kind of, you know, modulate it and, and play it in the in the campaign. So I prefer, I'm not prefer, but like, I like to hit mythology, partly because it's so multicultural. Um, I like to uh, look at historical figures sometimes. Uh, so there's, there's a lot of, you know, a variety of paths that I go, but uh, I also think about this as, as a producer standpoint, right? Because you're also producing the game. And like, what would be a cool name for the series, right? And so is it, uh, you know, because like in, in general, my my ship names end up being the name of the campaign or be ends up being integrated into the name of the campaign somewhere. Um, so that's just, you know, just, that's just a preference though. Yeah, I think Al nailed it. It's, it's an entirely different session zero just to yeah. figure out the right ship. And if yeah. Gene Roddenberry was, was strong to emphasize in the... Uh, rule book for how to write Star Trek episodes is that the ship is a character. And yep. so it should be written in such a way that all the players fall in love with it, protect mm -hmm. it. And I think about that scene in Search of Spock when it is burning and, and coming into the atmosphere. Every fan of Star Trek Die Hard was, <laughs> my dad was weeping. Yeah. My dad yeah. was weeping. So uh, yeah, definitely. Okay, man, we packed in so much in 90 minutes and That's again I, I i hope it gave people watching or people are going to watch this later a picture of what session zero looks like we made sure to make everyone comfortable we found out what they really wanted to play and get out of a role-playing game what they didn't want to see in their game and we found out um also what their favorite era is their style of play and there's a lot more to it again chapter four of the game master's guide goes into more detail um but i have to thank ella kai scott alan jim so far for your contributions. We're gonna answer questions after this, but if I know if others of you, um, our panelists today have to leave, I wanna say a huge thank you. And I hope this left you salivating to play your characters. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah, this is super fun. And, and Michael, thanks, thanks to you for facilitating. I, I'll, I'll be honest, I wasn't sure we could pack all this into 90 minutes, but you made it work. So good for you for keeping up, keeping us on task and keeping it moving. So thank you okay. for hosting it. Okay, yeah, fantastic. Round, round of applause for everybody. And then um, those who have to jump off, I know um, panelists, if you have to jump off, you have to jump off. I'm going to stick around to answer questions. We have yeah, quite a few up here. And uh, uh, Jim and Al, are you going to stick around for the question session? I'm uh, happy to, yeah. Yeah, as long as my kid stays asleep. <laughs> <laughs> okay. we, we, have to, we have to whisper the entire time. <laughs> All right. So let's jump into questions now. Um, there is one for those who are still going to stick on. I'm going to start with Wayne's question. What's your favorite episode of Star Trek and why? Okay, so we get a chance to answer this. I'm going to start with uh, Scott on this one. What's your favorite episode of Star Trek? You only get to pick one. <laughs> Brutal. The first one you just this, thought of. This, um, yeah, see this, you know, I, I only, in, in real life, I only have a... Uh, I only have one child, but if I had multiple children, this would be like asking you to pick your favorite child. It's so hard, especially after all these decades. Um, but, you know, the for many reasons, one of the first ones that popped into my head was the trouble with tribbles. Mm. Um, and the second one, I know you're just supposed to be saying favorite, but I'll just say it because the two popped into my head almost simultaneously. The other one was the doomsday machine. Good, good. And uh, as far as why, um, for the trouble with tribbles, you've got the uh, the comedy element that uh, worked so well, uh, even though the the story is actually very serious, but it's told in a in an amusing way, and you, you really got to see the actors have some fun with their characters that they didn't, you know, they got to go in directions that they didn't normally get to do. And then uh, Doomsday Machine is just so, uh, it's just such a nail biter. Totally is. Yeah, good, good one. Even, even when they rehash that in comics later, it's still good. <laughs> Ella, what about you? Tell us your, your favorite. Um, this is always such a hard question, but I usually uh, say Measure of a Man every time. I think, it, I think it's a fantastic example of a lot of what Star Trek is about. And it's just, it's beautifully written and beautifully acted and everything. Yeah, that was the one with Brett Spiner, right? Or Data. Um, yeah, trying to prove his sentience, his value mm -hmm. as a life. That is a beautiful, beautiful one. Kai, do you have a favorite one? I've never asked you this question. This is a first. I can't even answer this question. <laughs> I mean, you all know names of episodes, like their songs on a <laughs> CD. What? <laughs> I don't even this, know. This is great. <laughs> no, Kai truly represents the new player, not even familiar with Star Trek. I love that. And that they could play the game too. Now, I know you have a favorite series though. What's your favorite series? Uh, my favorite series is Voyager. I mean, if I could think of one episode and I don't know the name of it, it's my, one of my favorites is the one where the, the ship gets sucked towards that singularity and then there's like another version of the ship that ends up on the other side of the mirror and then they end up having to take ensign kim and the, the baby and and because they had died on the original ship that was that was nail biting yeah that's a great episode good pick that is a great episode al what about you uh i have two runners up um parallax 
from Voyager. I think, uh, you know, I love space anomalies and weird stuff. And I thought that was really well executed. Um, and Little Green Men from Deep Space Nine, a clever uh, time travel story. I can always appreciate that. Um, but I think my favorite is an Obel for Sharon, um, just because, uh, you know, I thought the story of the Kelpians in Discovery, um, you know, specifically Saru going through the Vaharai and then learning that it was basically all a lie. And once that happened, I actually had to rewatch that episode before I understood, oh my gosh, this is what happened. Like, you know, and, and, and I just, I, I love it. I think that that is a really cool story. Nice. Jim. I mean, this is so hard, right? There's 800, <laughs> 900 episodes. There's so much Star Trek out there. I, I, but you know what? I, I always keep coming back to DS9's pilot, Emissary. I think there's so much packed into that episode, not just the pathos and the and the relationships between the characters. You got, you know, Cisco and Jake and Cisco and Dax. And, and uh, you bring in that whole other element of the Bajoran faith that we hadn't really seen before in Star Trek. I think, I think the, that episode... There's so much great stuff in that episode that's Star Trek, that's, you know, Star Trek at its core, especially like Cisco's conversation with the wormhole aliens or the prophets or whatever, like trying to explain linear time to people that don't live in linear time. Like, I, like that's just mind bending. Right. And it's just so cool. And uh, I think that is that is always my go to um, favorite episode uh, among so many favorites. Right. That that probably just this just sits, sits there right at the top. How about you, Michael? What's your favorite? Mine, um, it's because what I think, what the series, if they had the time, budget, and, you know, the guts to do it back when it was produced, Voyager is my favorite series, Janeway is my favorite captain, and Year of Hell. Year of Hell is the one that's just like, this is what they actually could have been gone, going through for seven years. Yeah. And they were fortunate not to. And that's, to me, the ultimate in exploration, the, the moral decisions she made. Um, I, I like shows... Um, where they take the moral decision, even if it's going to kill them. Mm -hmm. I'm just that kind of, I really like people in life who do that, you know? And so to me, that really summed up um, what the show was really about. Great question. Wow. Mm -hmm. I, I love to hear that. All right, Jim, you get the next question. Uh, so this Joseph is a Briggs. question mm -hmm. from Joseph Briggs. Uh, can this turn into a regular series? Boy, I sure wish it could, but I think <laughs> I, we haven't really talked about it. I'm not confident that the six of us have the schedule to make it happen. I think it'd be cool, and certainly we could talk about it, but uh, I don't think that's what anybody signed up for. Um, but uh, I'd sure love to see at least one episode just to see what it, what it looked like, right? Um, as a new GM, I find the efforts put forth by those here are incredibly helpful as I gather my players in issue. Yeah, thanks. And you know, really, we just threw this together kind of at the last minute. And uh, we, we had newbies and we got long-term veterans here. So this is a good mix of uh, players. I think, Michael, you did a great job pulling, pulling together a pretty good mix of uh, people on short notice here. Uh, and then uh, another question would be, how do you handle players who wish to role-play characters from outside media, especially if you know those species have unique traits? Uh, so this is a GM by GM thing. My personal preference is to not cross the streams. Um, I get uncomfortable when somebody wants to play a character from another property or another universe or another setting and try to pull it into Star Trek, mostly because it's uh, it, it just opens itself up to so many potential distractions. Um, like if you're playing a, like a Star Wars species in Star Trek, like like it, it, if, the, if the group is willing to kind of suspend disbelief and just kind of go with it, maybe it would work. But I tend to either say, no, play, play a Star Trek species or create something new 
And, you know, if that new species kind of similar to one that we've seen in another property, uh, okay, I'll let it go. But uh, I, I tend to be really careful about crossing the streams too much. I don't know what anybody else on the panel thinks about that, but uh, I'd love to hear some opinions. Yeah, I agree. Well, I, I, oh, sorry, Michael, go ahead. No, go ahead, Al. Uh, so I think that this is another thing that could be on your session zero checklist, right? Yeah. Um, as you're discussing character types and someone brings this up, have a discussion with everyone at the table. I mean, it's possible that everyone wants to play, you know, characters from other properties on, you know, a starship, you know, uh, from Star Trek. And if everybody's on board with that and you are on board with that, I, I say go nuts, you know, um, if people aren't and you can't reach a consensus on that, um, then that might be when you want to move them more in the direction of something that is similar, uh, like Jim said. Yep. And you can send them this video to watch and they could GM their own campaign with the five, four <laughs> other people who wanted to do it. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, there's some more questions. There's some more questions for you, Jim, there, too. Oh, you want me to do another one? OK, sure. Uh, were, were there any other thoughts on that from uh, Kai or Ella or, uh, or Scott? Any, any, any thoughts on uh, bringing in, bringing in non-Star Trek uh, species into a game? My 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 knee jerk response would be I would find it distracting, mm. if especially if it was from a a really well-known other franchise uh but you know it would depend on, on on how it was handled i mean it's not possible that my little pony was a sentient planet of pony. <laughs> <laughs> you really want to bring heartbreak pony into i don't know their name uh -huh. <laughs> <All right. laughs> well, what's the next question uh, let's see. Uh, Daniel said, asks, uh, "Do you have any advice for those trying to organize games of Star Trek Adventures during the pandemic era? Traditional gaming shops are less of an option, so organization isn't as organic as it once was." Yeah, you're right. So we're, we're we've moved. Like I, I don't think there's ever going to be any going back necessarily. Uh, virtual gaming is a thing now more than ever before, and I think there are a number of different virtual tabletop options to you. There are tons of chat options, uh, video chats, uh, Discord, uh, text to te you know audio to text, um, play by post. There's so many different ways to play games now, not just Star Trek, but just in general, online. And uh, you know Star Trek, uh, Star Trek in general is nice because generally you don't need miniatures, you don't need tokens, you don't need to see things moving around a board. You can almost do a video chat like this and just do like a radio drama every week almost, where you're just having people talking back and forth and stuff. Um, that's just my opinion, though. But uh, that's, that's one of the things I wanted to point out. One of the yeah. reasons I, I did it on the Zoom format, because I think what happens is people who are interested in the game, they go to YouTube and they check out, oh, let me look up Star Trek Adventures RPG. And you see these fancy backgrounds and all this technology and tokens. And they're like, oh, I don't have time for all this. I don't. I don't even use this when I do, when we do play RPG on zoom, it's like this, um, or we're playing on discord, which is basically playing by text when I play. Um, so yeah, don't get overwhelmed by that. Keep it what works for you. Yeah. But uh, yeah. And uh, specifically and, to and organizing games, I would say go to, uh, go to the Facebook groups, go to the official forums, go to discord, go to the subreddit. There are a lot of communities of gamers out there that are looking for players and game masters looking for players and looking looking for groups to play or groups to join. Uh, it's a little bit of work because it's all virtual and you've got to find the right places and then you've got to go through the effort to make sure you're getting a good mix of people into your group because you don't want a bunch of random people until you get a chance to know them a little bit. So there's some you know email back and forth you should do. There's some conversations to do. So um, you know I feel for everybody trying to find a group because uh, it's 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 challenging. But you know we 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 made it work here somehow. 
just by knowing a few people and uh, sending out the feelers, you know, Michael pulled together six people pretty or five people pretty quick. So um, just, you know, get into the, get into the, the conversation circles and find the groups, you know, find your tribe basically and, uh, and have conversations and see who's available. Cause like, I know that, you know, we're all on, or most of us are on the Facebook group and every day there's people saying, Hey, I need a group or I'm looking for players or something. So they're out there and they're hungry. Um, so yeah, look, look in that direction. Al, did you want to add something? Uh, no, Jim had mentioned it, it that, uh, you know, finding them on social media is probably the best way. Good. I'll answer the next question. Um, it said, uh, anonymous attendee, great name. Is that real? So they said, um, how would you feel about a grace period during your shakedown cruise when learning a new system? So basically they're asking if a player wants to, after starting the game, make changes to their character, um, are they allowed to do that? You know, totally up to you again. We've done it before in my game. Um, we may have forgot something about their background, so we had to remake it up again too. But um, yeah, again, it's it's those are uh, rules of conduct and rules of playing that are consensus among your group. It's not me to tell you or Jim to tell you or someone else to tell you. Your group plays when you're comfortable. Sometimes you can, I've had it happen where we could start a campaign. And it's like, uh, this isn't fun. Let's start over. So there's nothing wrong with that. It's really more about your friends getting together for a fun night, just like karaoke. Yeah, no one sings well. Well, most people don't sing well at karaoke, but you still go give it a try or improv acting. RPG is not about really running a real TV show. It's about your friends having fun. That's number one important. Thumbs up from everyone if you agree with that. No? Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. And I'll, I'll add on to that to say that uh, you know, if you're if you're in the audience and you're familiar with other RPGs, uh, Star Trek Adventures is interesting in that um, you know if you give if you give the players you know a handful of sessions to kind of get a shakedown cruise and kind of get a feel for their characters and stuff, you know, switching out a point here and there or swapping out a focus or swapping out a talent, it's it's not going to break anything because it's the the game itself is pretty light in terms of mechanics, uh, so you're not going to really screw anything up. It, it's not like uh, I don't know, like like changing out your feats or something, or or really, you know, doing a lot of heavy changing to the character. Like, you know, swapping some stuff out is not a big deal. And uh, even, I mean, it's almost baked into the game, right? With the new, uh, with the optional uh, advancement rules, where you could swap out of focus every session anyway. So, I, yeah, go ahead, do it. <laughs> you know, because that's that reflects the characters that we see on the shows. Is that uh, you know, in between episodes. You know, somebody learns a new skill and that new skill is the focus for that episode. It's like, okay, sure. Uh, go ahead and swap out that focus, swap out that talent. It, it's not going to hurt the game. And uh, like Michael said, yeah, at some point earlier in the session, you know, be the be the yes and person and say, you know, if it, if it makes you happy and it works for the character and, uh, you know, it, it you know brings you joy to change it up, then change it up. It's not a big deal. Uh, as long as the core character is not changing, then I, I would be totally flexible with giving a really... Uh, wide latitude to players to say, look, you're not that familiar with the game. Take take three to five sessions and and uh, you know suss out what your character is. And if you need to tweak a couple points here and there, go for it. Uh, just make it work. You know, make it work. That whatever you need to make you happy as a player, I'm happy as a GM. Good, Al. Did you want to add to that? No. Okay. Um, yeah. Or. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, I did. Um, yeah, I agree with everything that Jim just said. Um, but I, I also think that like uh, having a conversation with that person and saying, well, what are the changes that you'd like to see made? And then writing that 
as an arc into the story. Like we've yeah. had players in our games that said, well, I feel like my character's like moving a lot more towards the sciences than the medical side of things. Mm-hmm. We had stories written along the way that helped that character move. And that's kind of um, the beauty of um, the advancement system is that you can see that over time they are moving in that direction, um, uh, which is one of the things I love about the game. Yeah, and the TV show, too. I keep in mind Next Generation, the first two or three seasons, Jordy LaForge and Worf were moving to different positions, you know, on, on the ship. So it's not uncommon on a military vessel to get new assignments, and, not, and that's likewise on a Starfleet vessel to grow or be put where there's a need. Remember, Starfleet characters are multidisciplined people. Even the captain can work sick bay if he has to, you know, they he or she has to, they have to. One, two three points of that indicate that they have some training according to Star Trek Adventures of the Game. All right, the next question says, um, we have only three questions left. What advice would you give to players whose characters are captains or exos where they have more authority over the other characters? And they talk about complaints where other players feel like they either either have too much power or they have very little to do. That's its own episode, but I also want to say that's a huge part of the chapters of both the Game Master's Guide and the player's guide. And we actually do have some upcoming episodes um, with Jim on continuing conversations about that. And we also have STA Engage episodes and podcasts that you can find on Continuing Missions website. Um, so I'm not going to go too much into that. But um, if you if you reach out to me on Facebook, I'll point you to those videos and those articles where we actually talk about that for the sake of time. And then the next question is, one of my players' backgrounds was inventing a new piece of technology, but the player had trouble picking what the invention was before the first uh, season. Would you consider it a mistake as a GM by suggesting that they could create this breakthrough during the early sessions, perhaps RPing out the creation? Totally, you can do that. I mean, again, you have total freedom in exp- you don't have, have to have everything perfect about your character right out the gate. You can create as you go. And since you're playing the game, you'll know, okay, this is established canon. So whatever I'm creating, I have to fit into that established canon. So, so have fun with that. Don't, don't go for perfection. That's called analysis per- paralysis. If you wait for perfection, you'll never get started playing. Anybody want to add on that before we move to the last couple questions? No, we're good. All right. And then um, some of them are fun questions. Oh, we're getting a lot of questions now. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. I'm going to give the opportunity to uh, those who don't want to stay on, our panelists who don't want to stay on for additional questions, uh, give you a big thank you and a send off if you need to go. Um, And then the geeks like us are going to stick around because we love talking about this stuff. (laughs) All right. Are you you all banking out? Okay, give them a round of applause. Thank you, Kai. Are you sticking around, Ella? Okay, yeah, talking. I blocked off the whole night. Ah, you're awesome. Okay. <laughs> cool. no Hardcore. I love it. <laughs> All right, good. I just want to be kind to everyone. Uh, hey, Michael, Michael, make sure you say thank you to Kai for me. I didn't get a chance to say goodbye to her, but uh, I will. I agree sure that, that she was on board with us. Oh, she heard you. She came back. I heard you. Oh, awesome. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> Great to chat with you. Nice meeting you, Kai. Yeah. And I want to yeah, say that. Nice to meet you. Yeah. And I want to say it's a good example. You know, when you set up your first session zero, asking people about their time constraints, she's a very busy woman, you know, is very important to having it be successful, which is because of my time constraints, why we play on Discord, because it's hard for me to get three to four hours a week or a month 
in one chunk to do something. So that was a good example. Thank you, Kai. I'll hug you later. All right, let's let's nail the rest of these questions. Um, this is going around to all of us again. So this gets Ellen and Scott involved again. Um, if you had to play a character that already exists in the movies or shows, which character would it be? Ella. I think I got this locked and loaded. I, I might have several because I just thought of another one. I think gut instinct would be like either Spock or Burnham. Spock is always my favorite character for so many reasons. I think I could body a Vulcan role on screen. I'm just gonna say it. And then my and then my last thought was that it would that a Garrick. Ah, that oh. is the best. Thank you for that. <laughs> Thank you for that. I'm not even gonna need to answer now. You <laughs> took my answer. So Scott, go ahead. <laughs> oh well, like daughter, like father, my first thought was Spock. Mm. Okay, cool. Jim. This is hard because, like, as a as a lifelong RPGer, like, I'd really want to make my own character and, and let those characters be their thing, and 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 not be cons not constrained, but also not having to live up to those not live up to those ideals, right? Because those actors were so amazing, right? And they did such great characters. But like, if and I know I can't dodge this question, right? But I think uh, <laughs> I think I think I would I think I would be Dax, honestly, because the trill the the whole concept of the trill is really really fascinating to me as a player. Because I could play eight different characters if I wanted to, right? Depending on the circumstances. Um, so I think I think I would play Dax because she's really cool and she's got such a depth to her. Like she's a young young officer in the first episode, right? But she's got this depth of experience that literally nobody else has. And so, like to be able to play that kind of character with the wisdom of you know tons of lifetimes, uh, you could throw you could throw curveballs in every episode, and and it would all make sense. In, 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 the, in the context of a character. So I think uh, Dax would be my pick. Uh, how about you, Al? Um, I think that a lot more people are going to be mimicking me at the end of this year when I say Pike. Um, I think that uh, he is just such a cool, confident character. You know, doesn't ask questions. You will get this done. And I think that we're going to get to see that mature over the next year. And I'm really excited for it. Good, good, good answer. Since, since Ella took mine, cause Garrick to me, honestly could have had his own TV show. Like that character. So uh, the actor, I mean, everything about that character was fun to watch every second. Every time he walks in the room, he's like, yes, <laughs> you know, something's going to happen. But if I had to, uh, pick somebody since she took Garrick seven of nine, I do believe, and I could go on, for days on this, I believe Seven of Nine is the next Crux character. Like Spock was the Crux character of the everything. That I think Seven of Nine is going to be the character that we're talking about in 50 years. So that's that would be my second. All right, Corey Belodi. Good question, Scott, by the way, on that. Corey says, another fun question. As players or as the GM, would you be worried to be part of a crew on an O-Birth or Miranda-class vessel given their... I'll say proclivity, proclivity to explode on screen. <laughs> I mean, I don't even know how to answer that. Yes, I'd be scared. <laughs> All right. No, um, I, would, I, I wouldn't be scared. I think, um, you know, if we're playing the game, you know, and that's one of those two classes was what the group decided on, I would just embrace it and have fun with it. Like, now, if I was the GM, I would certainly be challenging the crew like, okay, keep in mind, you're on an Oberth class ship. Do you really want to be scrapping with these birds of prey? 
right? Like you can do it, but you know, just you know, the 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 tension and the stakes and the complications are just very different, right? And I think it would be fun, right? For both of those classes, it would be fun experiences. And you know, certain certain games might make sense. Like in fact, this game that we were talking about today that we kind of concepted and threw around. If we didn't do a constitution refit, I think a Miranda would be a perfect fit uh, for for a, for a small crew that's mostly focused on um, on getting their hands dirty. So um, I, you know, the what happens on screen doesn't really bother me so much because we're going to be making it our own. And so, like how DS Nine kind of rehabilitated the Ferengi, you know, it'd be an opportunity for us to rehabilitate the Oberth or the Miranda class and say, <laughs> "This is going to be the 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 definitive Oberth campaign, right?" And this is we're going to make the Oberth class awesome. And amazing beyond what we saw in uh, <laughs> in Star Trek uh, Star Trek Three, right? Well, of course, because it's going to have an amazing non warp, faster than light system. So this birth <laughs> would be awesome, right? Because of Scott's character. See, we're creating this story. I love it. Um, I love the next question from Angry Augury. First of all, I hope you feel better. Um, and she's talking about threats or i'm guessing augury i don't know they're talking about complications and threat spins are wonderful however there are times when you need something negative affecting the players but you don't really want to tell them that you're slapping a complication on them um and so they're asking what are good ways of implementing situations such as this without violating the trust that is built into the mechanics you hit the keyword for me. You said trust. I do this with my players all the time. I say, hey, I'm letting you know I'm spending eight threat on something, but I'm not telling you what it is. You may do something that now activates this and you'll see that, whoa, that was harder than I expected. But I can't really tell you because it's a mystery and part of the game is solving that mystery. So that's how I handle it. And it's really based on your players trusting you that you're not out to kill them but you're out there to engage them um, in an interesting game. Anybody else want to add on that? Um, I, I would just say that like that trust comes over time, right? I try to be open with as much as I can and upfront with people when they're new, or this is our first time going through, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But as you build that trust, um, that's when, um, you know, maybe this, complication is kept hidden until it has an important effect on the game um and maybe it might not ever have an effect on the game depending on what the players do um but i think that um i try to do all my dice rolling in the open i try to keep all the counts of everything out in the open so i can build that trust and show them that this system is really about co-storytelling and not about me versus you yeah good one i i think um we should have wrote a piece about this in the book now that I'm thinking about it. Yeah. <laughs> Anything you want to add? <laughs> I think we did actually. I think uh, if if we didn't, then I think Nathan certainly added it into the into the into the book. What, what, yeah, probably the game master guide. Um, I, but I know there's something in there about this because uh, I know we've had a lot of conversations with uh, with fans and gamers online about um, some game. Uh, well, some folks coming new to the game and saying, "Oh, well, you know, I can just make up stuff anyway. I don't need to spend threat. Why do I even need this mechanic?" Because I can just make stuff up. And it's like, well, this is a way to kind of keep things above board and to keep the GM honest and the players honest. And but it also really helps the the building the drama as you go, right? So like if I was going to do this, I agree with both of you all uh, that uh, I would kind of ease the players into it and maybe maybe do do this as a complication and um not not bank it, but just like say, okay, now this scene's coming up. I'm gonna spend a couple thread. Here's the complication that's affecting you. Um, but, and as that trust is built up, I would say, you know what, I'm, I'm spending this eight threat, 
and you know something's coming, but I'm not going to tell you what it is exactly. We just know that something's coming. And I think, uh, you know, if you've, if you've picked your players or, you know, if you've got a good group cohesion and, uh, and they trust you and you trust them and they, you know, everybody at the table knows that it's a collaborative effort and it's not us, you know, it's not you versus them or whatever, which is, you know, not ideal for this game anyway. Right. Um, I think you can make it work. So um, I don't see any, any problem with having something, quote unquote, I mean, I wouldn't even couch it as something negative affecting the players. I would just say it's a new challenge, right? Because like, it's not necessarily positive or negative. It's like, here's a new challenge that you're throwing in their path. Um, That's maybe one of the reasons they're even playing the game is to be challenged to some extent. Uh, So uh, yeah. If you save your threat to, again, back to, you know, to, to the response, if you save your threat, when you need to put that block up against them and do the big reveal, spin the threat at that point. Um, mm-hmm. That's why it's there so that you can manipulate story mechanics. I know my players, when they see me building up threat, they're like, oh, Lord, what's coming? They know something's coming. They don't know what. But when they give me a lot of a threat, they know I'm pushing for a plot device to, to push the story where I want it to go. Yeah. Cool. All right. The last question is amazing. And it goes to Al to close out our amazing night of session zero. Al, anonymous attendee, is saying, is that an Cars themed shirt? <laughs> It is. It's uh, it's an Elkars polo shirt. Uh, I got it because it was a Star Trek shirt that I could wear. I'm a teacher. I could wear it to school. Um, the kids have no idea what it is, and it's always fun um, whenever I wear it. And I don't tell them what it is either. I let the, I say, you have to figure it out. <laughs> if, if you come around me with that shirt, I will push your buttons. I'm warning you. <laughs> I'll try to find the link and post it. <laughs> Could you? I'm buying one the minute you give it to me. Does it come out in a tank top too? That might be cool. I might do it. Probably. <laughs> All right. With that said, I have to give a huge thank you to everyone who tuned in and people who watch this later on. Ella, hands out for uh, your, Tapella, I love your character. Scott, what a pleasure to have you with us with all of your wealth of knowledge of Star Trek. Keep doing the great work you're doing. And of thank course, you. Alan, Jim, who I feel like I talk to every day, keep writing, keep <laughs> creating. I want to tell people um, who are watching this too, not to forget that you can, if you've never played it before and you want to get started, you can go to continuing mission, or excuse me, you can go to Modifius website and continue, they've given continuing mission a special discount code so that you can get 10% off the STA starter set. So these are all the, ba- this is just the basics you need in order to get started to play. And that code is C mission zero one, all caps, C the letter C mission zero one. And that gets you uh, 10% off. So at least it can get you started. And I have to say, um, you know, I'll give Jim the parting words for tonight, but I have to say that if you need us or have any additional questions, we do run a podcast called Continuing Conversations, um, and you can find it on the Continuing Mission site. Um, and it's all over the Facebook and Reddit and Discord pages. If you check us out there, we're available to answer your questions. It's the only RPG I've ever played where when I throw a question out on Facebook, the actual writers get back to me. And that's really gratifying and encourages me to play. Jim, any last words? Uh, just Michael, thank you so much for hosting this and getting this together. This has been great fun. And it's... Uh, Hopefully it's helping everybody get a sense of what a session zero can be like and, uh, and and how how this game could come together if you're a player or as a game master. I would say go out there, find some players or find a game master who's willing to run the game, give it a try, get into it, have fun. Uh, check out, um, uh, you know, we're available on all the social media. So we're on Facebook, Twitter, the official forums, et cetera, et cetera. 
Um, I talk everybody's ear off as much as I can about Star Trek. They're probably sick of hearing me <laughs> talk, but Michael keeps inviting me back. So I appreciate that. So uh, just uh, enjoy Star Trek, you know, check out the game, check out uh, everything that's happening with the community. Uh, the Star Trek Adventures uh, community, like I can't talk enough about how awesome our fans are because you're so supportive of each other. We're also supportive of each other. It's amazing to read it every day on the on all the discussion groups and stuff, how how willing everybody is to get everybody else into the game. So it's it's just really cool. So I hope you all had fun. Thanks to everybody who attended. Thanks for all the great questions. Uh, I apologize if we didn't get to them all. I think we got to them all, but uh, I'm not 100% sure on that. Uh, if not, you know, email us, contact us, and uh, again, have fun, live long and prosper, you know, all that great stuff. All right, ID, I see. All right, talk to you later. Bye. Right. Cheers, everybody. Right. Have a great See weekend. You. Thanks, y'all. Thanks.